Welcome to a new episode of Echoes from the Goddamn Void. Man, and um, yeah, a bit more coherent this week. Ah, I tell you, man, I didn't realize how friggin' out of it I was last week, man. I think, like, turning up to screenings of films the wrong venue has <laughs> started to kind of bring it home that shit i need to get some more sleep somehow i mean i didn't but yeah you, you kind of realize that that is the case and also i realized that um you know when i i was talking about like the next week's ufc i was like yeah so um yeah next week is boston no it was Tampa. It was the Tampa card, and I got all of that fucked. But um, yes, a bit more coherent. So we're back for another episode, and um, you know, looking at some of the shit in the news, man, it, it it's just it just makes you laugh, man. You know, even seeing some of the stories, like we've got um, Pharrell talking about how. You know, um, blurred lines, and he's embarrassed by the lyrics in blurred lines. And you know, if he had to write the story today, he, you know, he he completely change it. And you just think, listen, that's just that's kind of that's just weak, man. You know what I mean? It's like you know, you know exactly, you know what what. What the lyrics were There's no going Oh, I was born in a different time So I didn't realise That, you know uh, the, the, the song The lyrics could be perceived as Rapey or, you know what I mean It's just own it Just be like, yo, I wrote a song That is just fucking around That's as simple as what it is But no he, he's like jumping on this bullshit train And um Yeah I don't know Like It's just rubbish You know Like the thing was The song always irritated me Because it was just a complete lift Of Marvin Gaye It was like a complete And they tried to pretend that they um Came up with the beat and everything organically And it wasn't and all of this shit And you're just like Come on man, don't lie Really? Don't lie about it 
But yeah, he, he's now on this tip where it's like, you know, I was born in a different era and some things that were allowed at the time would never fly today. Which, you know, is fair. There's certain things that, you know I mean, you see in old TV and films that you're just like, oh shit, yeah. Couldn't do because you think about the first Rocky, everyone talks about Rocky as this incredible film. But Rocky basically raped Adrian in the alleyway. There's no getting around it. Rocky raped Adrian, and everyone was fine with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, god damn, like you cannot have that scene in a film today unless you are going, Yes, that was rape. You know what I mean? There's, yeah, it, it's kind of crazy, right? It's kind of crazy. But yeah, it is what it is, people. But yeah, I think, you know, when he's saying, like, I get embarrassed by some of that stuff, it just took a lot of time and growth to get to that place. So it's like, shut up, Pharrell. Really, shut up. Yeah, it's just, I think it's kind of weak, and I'm not saying it, it's it's weak, like, yeah, no, showing remorse and all of that is fine, but I, I, you kind of feel that, like, coming out of these kind of things, you're doing it for the, you know what I mean, the promotion, the public attention, like, listen, I'm a good person, you know? Which is just like, just don't talk about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> just don't talk about it. It's just like, uh, and when he's just like, um, oh, the singer said he saw that some women really liked the song and would sing those type of lyrics all the time. So it's like, what's rapey about that? And then I realised that there are men who use the same language when taking advantage of a woman. And it doesn't matter that that's not my behaviour or the way I think about things. It just matters how it affects women. And it's just like, your video was just naked women <laughs> dancing around. So don't act like, you know what I mean, this song had like a deeper message. And uh, what I was trying to say with the song was, oh, you know, because I'm this really profound person. No, you made a shit song. It is what it is. You know what I mean? It is what it is. Just don't, if, if, you, if you feel that bad about it, don't do the song. You know what I mean? That, that's, all, that's all you have to do. Just don't do it. You don't have to do this big interview, like, declaring that you're a changed person. And, yeah, I feel so bad about what I did then. Ugh. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You know what I mean? But... Yeah, it does fit with the current climate and the current narrative of people just being arseholes. You know what I mean? Arseholes and bagging, bandwagon jumpers. That's essentially it. But, um, yeah, 
Alright, let's get into this week's episode and some of the bullshit that's in the news today. So, there's a lot of crazy shit happening, man. Um, Man, so, Helen DeGeneres goes to watch the Cowboys play the Packers and she sits next to George W. Bush. And the world goes insane The world goes insane Right, so you've got people going that You mean, you you can't be But she's like, yo, we're friends, chill people And then there's people going, oh, you, how can you be friends with that person? And rightly, rightly so Ellen's like, listen I believe you should be kind to everyone And that doesn't mean just the people that agree with you Which is right You mean, it's just like, look The peoples I know I don't agree with everything that they do But we're friends So it's just like, eh, whatever Like, you mean, if they ask my opinion on something I'll say what my opinion is But I'm not going to condemn them on their shit Now don't get me wrong If they were like Yo I murdered someone the other day Then <laughs> You know what I mean We'll have a different conversation But other than that Whatever I don't really give a fuck You know But look, So There's a thing So you've got all these people Jumping on Ellen But On the flip side What Really gets me as well Is the people that are like Oh, Ellen, you're so brave And it's just like Fucking chill, people Do you know what I mean? It's not bravery It's it's just having a friend Do you know what I mean? That's all it is Having a friend, knowing someone, talking to someone So the people that are like You should be ashamed of yourself, Ellen They're ridiculous But then the other people who are like, oh, you know, what I mean? like Jamie Foxx, thank you very much for that. So needed, so necessary. It's just like, chill, son. You know what I mean? It is just, yeah, people are ridiculous. Then you've got, um, uh, what's her name? Um, Jamelia Jamil. Who, obviously, you know, everyone's praising Ellen So, hey, you've got to jump on that bandwagon And she's like, incredibly strong (laughs) It's just like, shut the fuck up, man Shut the fuck up But then, because people then attack her for saying that You know, she then has to come out with some bullshit of her own Yo, make a video, come out with some bullshit And it's just, just stop it people Just stop it, we don't have to comment on every fucking thing Yo, it's not bravery, it's not amazing, it's not, it's just life It's all it is, all it is you know, certain stuff doesn't need thousands of retweets and all of this fucking bullshit. 
You know what I mean? It's just like, instead of talking about important issues, we're wasting our time on crap like this. It's insane. It really is. And I just don't understand people. And this kind of propensity to have to, you know what I mean? Like, jump on top of other people's comments and be like, yeah, I agree, you're incredible, or, uh, you're so wrong, and just, why, what, why do you need validation like that, it's, it's insane, man, it really is, but, yeah, I don't know, fuck it, fuck it, you know what I mean, like, yeah, it's the Cowboys v the Packers. They're both shit teams. Now, don't get me wrong. Redskins are really just... They're not good right now. But, hey, it's just the way it goes, man. It's just the way it goes. You know what I mean? I can't become a Patriots fan. You know, I like the Patriots, but... Yeah, it's not about leaving that sinking ship. <laughs> but some Sundays you definitely wanna. But yeah, I don't know. People are just full of shit. That's all I can say. Okay, so what I find really crazy is the fact that I don't know, people don't want to take responsibility for their own actions. Okay, so um, a, a, a young lady was killed um, while traveling home on the train. She put her head out of the window and got hit by a tree branch. Okay. Um, so this happened at the end of last year, December 2018. And they've been... They've, you know, had an investigation into the situation, and, um, yeah, they, they were looking at how this could have happened, and, you know, they're like, the warning signs on the train door weren't big enough, because there was warning signs on the door, okay, that said, you know, caution, do not lean out of the window when train is moving, Okay, so there was this sign on the door, but it's claimed that the sign wasn't big enough. And say having the word caution kind of gives the impression that you can lean out of the window if done safely. Right? So... The thing with this is, is yes, if the train is is going over certain ground, you could potentially just poke your head out the window and take a look and see where you are. But this is the thing, right? Everyone knows, everyone knows that it's not a good idea to stick your freaking head out of a moving train window Like even as a kid There were always You know in like stories Like people would be like Oh did you hear about uh, 
Jimmy's cousin who stuck their head out the window and w- was decapitated. Yo, like, you've heard those stories. Now, the stories are probably bullshit, but they set a precedent. You know what I mean? So they, they, they give you that notion that, yo, if you stick your head out of this window, you could be decapitated. So it's a thing you know. I think they even did that shit in like scary movies, you know, those stupid films. And we have definitely seen like this happen to people. It's been in the news over the years. People sticking their head out of trains, people sticking their head out of cut like in hereditory. That's one of the big scenes. A girl's st- head out the window being decapitated. Yo, six feet under. I remember the episode, and there, um, some girls were celebrating, and she puts her head out of the sunroof and gets, yeah, basically decapitated. But yeah, it like there's real stories of this happening, so everyone knows. This is a possibility. So I think for anyone to say that, you know, the sign wasn't big enough. And um, this woman, oh, well, yeah, it's not really her fault. How was she to know? That is all bullshit. It's all bullshit. I think we can just say, look, this is a sad accident. Don't get me wrong. This isn't a good thing. It, it's a it's a horrible shame that this happened to this girl. But I think when looking into this situation, I don't think you, there's any trying to pass the buck onto anyone here. You can say, yeah, she was an idiot. It's as simple as that. She was an idiot. She stuck her head out the window and she got decapitated. That's that's what happened. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, what else? Like, what else? Just to go, oh, how was she meant to know that sticking your head out of a fast-moving vehicle could be dangerous? Yeah, I mean... Sometimes, yo, this is like, you know, it's Darwin, survival of the fittest, you know, like, obviously, she's a bit of a moron, and now her DNA isn't going to be spread, that is the upside of this, that's what's meant to happen, idiots die, and it takes their DNA out of the gene pool. Boom. That's what this is. It's as simple as that. <laughs> right? No more idiot DNA. <laughs> hey, it sounds bad, but it's the truth. It was a terrible accident, but shit happens. So, we just had the Booker Prize. Unfortunately, it was on Sunday the 13th of October, which was the last day of the London Film Festival, and I was watching The Irishman. So, had to break the tradition and could not 
go this year. Um, and this year, something odd happened. So there were um, six books nominated. We had Lucy Elman's Ducks Newbury Port. We had Chigozi Obimuma, an orchestra of minorities. Had Salman Rushdie's Quitochi and Elf Shafak's 10 minutes 38 seconds in this strange world, along with Bernadine Everisto's um, is it Girl Woman Other and Margaret Atwood's The Testament. And so, breaking with rules that were put in place in 92, the uh, the panel of judges voted that uh, Atwood and Everisto would share the award. So, that means that, um, yeah, they get 25,000 each because you know the winning prize is 50,000 but yeah so they got to split that um now i i think this is uh, i look i i i think it's kind of bullshit you know i ain't going to lie i think it's kind of bullshit like because you know going oh we couldn't pick a winner we couldn't pick a winner it's 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 just a weak argument because that's then because there's been plenty of years where there have been really good books and you know what I mean they're happy to go oh this one's better than the other when hey i have to say like me and my friend we've we've been going for the last few years and we never picked the right book you know it was always you know, we always have a book that we felt was the best book, and it never wins, so it's just like, then for this year to go, oh, we couldn't pick between two, it's just like, ugh, no, I don't, I don't believe it, I believe that it, it fits a narrative to have these two books win, now, don't get me wrong, I haven't read these books, and I'm not saying these books are bad, I'm saying it's nothing on the authors of these books. I believe it is, you know, the the judges pandering to the current climate, which has caused this situation. So Atwood, being 79, has become the oldest winner of the Booker Prize. And... Um, Everisto is the first black woman to win the prize. So, giving that's great for the conversation, right? You know that that just makes it like, oh, the you mean the Booker Prize is changing? How revolutionary is this? Oh, this is great. It's just kind of bullshit. Like, you know, I always felt that probably Atwood's The Testament would be a winner. 
just because, you know, with The Handmaid's Tale, everyone's just like, oh my god, that, you know, with Trump's America, we can see The Handmaid's Tale, it could be just round the corner, which is just an over-exaggeration, you know, it's a ridiculous thing to say, but that is the thing that has been said on numerous occasions, so with the testament which picks up 15 years later, um, yeah, it, it, you always felt that this fits in with the current narrative, you know, this fits in with what everyone's been saying, so, of course, that will be there. Now, to then have um, Ever- Ugh. Everisto be a joint winner, that also then elevates this. Because you now have, you know, the first black woman to win. Which, yeah. It, it fits in with the, oh, times are changing, you know, yes, we have representation now, like, anyone can win this prize, which, ugh, it just is always just a horrible thing, because you want to win on merit, not because it fits within some bullshit that some Dumbass people are trying to pull You know, because I think Only Four other black people have ever been nominated Like, shortlisted So, yeah You know, it's kind of weird that a black person hasn't won the prize So now it's happened And I just think, ugh it's just a bit bullshit. It's it's just yeah, it's not a great thing. Because, you know, like um we we've got like the people there's this guy, um his name Florence. <sighs> yeah, Peter Florence. Um you know, talking about like, why they chose, you know, why they did what they did, and it's just like, no, that it's just, you guys decided to sit on the fence, you know, I mean? you guys, you, you, you had an agenda, and this is what you've done, you know, to say we couldn't decide between the two, it's just, it's a weak argument, it is a weak argument, and, I think it doesn't do either or for, like, justice, you know, because, yeah, you, you, they've got to split the prize, one thing, and it does then kind of take, you know what I mean, it, it divides that spotlight from which winning something like this puts on you as an author. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's not the best of situations, I would say. Yeah, it, it, it's just, just a bit rubbish, you know. I, I, and 
you know, it's like, oh, they also say like, oh, so, you know, they had to call, like, you know, the uh, the chief executive of the Booker Prize, and they were like, no, we're not doing this, and then at the end, they're like, okay, fine, we'll do it, it's just like, really, <laughs> you know what I mean, it's just like, that's all you, so you're always going to, there's, if if you can't stand up to some stupid people, because, you know, if they really were, go like, these are our rules, yeah, we're not changing from our rules, they would just say, no, this is who we're going to say won the prize. But, yeah, that, that that's not the case. It's just, I think, it's, it's a PR situation. Essentially, that's what it is. It's, um, yeah. It, 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 trying to um, look good, essentially, and um, yeah, it's just a weak, a weak situation. I feel, you know. But hey, as I said, look, I haven't read either book. Um, books are meant to be, as far as I know, like the book is, you know, supposedly good. Supposedly, it's a good book. But I don't know. I mean, this is the gist of each book, right? So, the testament. This is um, what it says on Amazon. Margaret Atwood's dystopian masterpiece, The Handmaid's Tale, is a modern classic. Now she brings the iconic story to a dramatic conclusion in this riveting sequel. More than 15 years after the events of The Handmaid's Tale, the Theocratic regime of the Republic of Gilead maintains its grip on power, but there are signs it is beginning to rot from within. At this crucial moment, the lives of three radically different women converge with potentially explosive results. Two have grown up as part of the first generation to come of age in the new order. Testimonies of these two young women are joined by a third voice, a woman who wields power through the ruthless accumulation and deployment of secrets. As Atwood unfolds testaments, she opens up the innermost workings of Galid as each woman is forced to come to terms with who she is and how far she will go for what she believes. Dear readers, everything you've ever asked me about Galid and its inner workings is the inspiration for this book. Well, almost everything. The other inspiration is the world we've been living in. Margaret Atwood. And uh, Girl, Woman, Other, this is what it says, Um, teeming with life and crackling with energy, a love song to modern Britain, to black womanhood, to the ever-changing heart of London. Girl, Woman, Other follows the lives and struggles of 12 very different characters, mostly women, black and British. They tell the stories of their families, friends and lovers across the country and through the years. Joyfully polyphonic 
and vibrantly contemporary, this is a gloriously new kind of history, a novel of our times, celebratory, ever dynamic and utterly irresistible, a daring evocation of black British history, sexy, punchy and fresh. So yeah, those are the two books, and you know, they do sound interesting, but yeah, I believe that you can, you can pick one, you know what I mean, you can pick one, it's, it's just ridiculous, but yeah, who am I? Yo, well, <laughs> what can you say, man, we had, um, a great card, it's a great card, UFC, um, you know, Fight Night, UFC Tampa, Joanna John Jacek against Michelle Walterson, and we, you know, we've been looking forward to this for a while, and it didn't disappoint, man, like, you, you think of the fights on this, so, um, yeah, what were some of the great ones, um, we had Mike Davis against Thomas Gifford, which was crazy. Miguel Beza against Hector Aldana. Man, they were good fights. They were good fights. Devonson Figueroa against Tim Elliott. Ryan Spann, Devon Clark. Then on the main card. Man, like... Mike, Matt Farola, Lewis Pena, Nico people, the Nico Price James Vick fight is ridiculous. Cub Swanson, Crone Gracie, it's a war. And then the main event, John Jacek against Walterstone. Man, this was such a great fight. You know what I mean? Walterstone showed tremendous heart in there. But I think we may have seen the re-emergence of Joanna Champion. Because this was... I think the break has done... You know, did her well. There's that old fire was there, just the combinations, just everything, it was crazy, man, this was so much fun, and um, yeah, you will get the full breakdown in this week's chin check, so go check that out, and do a little bit of um, coverage of the one century events as well, so yeah, Check it out, people. Alright, let's get into um Yeah, let's get into some TV news. Well, thoughts on anyway. Okay, so this week I um I thought I would check out season one of Big Mouth. It's been sitting in my list for ages, and um a friend was just like, it's hilarious. So yeah. I gave it a go. Um, it's created by Nick Kroll, Andrew Goldberg, um, Mark Levin, and Jennifer Flackett. Um, 
And um, yeah, there's currently three seasons on Netflix. The gist is this. The series follows a group of 7th graders including best friends Nick Birch and Andrew Globerman as they navigate their way through puberty with struggles like masturbation and sexual arousal all in the suburbs of New York City. Acting as over-sexualized shoulder angels are the hormone monsters. Maurice, who pesters Andrew and occasionally Nick and Jay. And Connie, the hormone monstrous, who pesters Jesse and Nick and occasionally Missy. Throughout the series, the kids interact with people and objects who are often personified and other helpful and offer helpful albeit confusing advice in their puberty filled lives including the ghosts of duke ellington a french accented statue of liberty a pillow capable of getting pregnant and even jesse's own genitals uh so this the the series is kind of um based on crow and goldberg's upbringing in um Worcester country New York and Kroll voices uh he's a fictional younger self in this um yeah there's like a load of different people doing voices such as um John Mullaney, Jesse Klein, Jason Manzukas, Jenny Slate Fred Armisen, Maya Rudolph, um, and Jordan Peele, and, um, oh my god, this show is frigging hilarious, oh man, I I just laughed so much, it's so, it's so wrong, oh man, it's, it's just like, you know what I mean, because, hey, I needed to fill that Rick and Morty gap. And this, yeah, I think this definitely hits that spot. Like, you just have some, some just shit that's just like, <gasps> man. Like, you, if this wasn't, uh, you know, animated, they wouldn't be able to get away with half the shit they do. As especially some of the things that they end up saying. Like, um, oh man, what were some of the, the favorite lines from the show? Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, <laughs> don't forget to lead with your groin, the world's slowest hula hoop. <laughs> or, um, I'm the hormone monster. Sure, I fuck around with dudes, but I'm not a fairy. Ah, <laughs> uh, just one that was just like, Oh, every orgy needs a witness and baby wipes. <laughs> oh, is it like you just? I think one of the great things about it is just like the situations. You know, like um, slow dancing with a girl, and all of that kind of shit, and it just kind of like obviously. Obviously, you know what I mean? They're, they're taking things to the ninth, but there's still situations that kind of ring true when you think about 
you know, those those first interactions as a kid. You know, like um when uh man, who what's the name of the fucking characters? Like Andrew um and uh Miss Missy go into the uh closet and they're not quite sure what to do and all of that. Because it's just like, yeah, when you're when you're a little kid, it's just like sometimes you didn't know. It was just like, okay, so people say you're, you, this is what you do, but it's just like, I don't know what that fuck that is. You know, and then, so it's just like, ha, nice. And yeah, it's just straight up funny, man. I'm just like loving it. And I think season one, it was 10 episodes, which is perfect amount of episodes. You know what I mean? So not too many but just enough for the uh, for the laughs, but it's just some of the stuff, man. You know, like ah, <laughs> oh, the hormone monsters. The hormone monsters are just like some crazy ass shit. But then you're seeing things like. You know, when um Jessie gets her first period And she's using the mirror to look at herself And you're just like, oh shit This is so fucking wrong I shouldn't be looking at this But it's hilarious, you know I think the voice cast nails it Voice cast nails it Like the animation is just fun it's just, yeah this is a great show i i do think if you are a fan of um like rick and morty if you're a fan of like broad city you know just shows like that then yeah this is definitely all you all you so um netflix have like I think season three, second half of season three is just here, and um, Netflix have renewed it for a fourth, fifth, and a sixth season. So um, yeah, that's pretty cool. So it's just whether uh, they're able to push new shit out. You know, each year or if there's going to be delays and all of that kind of stuff Hopefully it can be regular, you know, because, yeah, it's hilarious So, um, we will see people, we will see But, if you like, <laughs> just like, crazy, weird, adult animation Just kind of off-key but hilarious at the same time Then Big Mouth Should definitely Be checked out And it's on Netflix so Yeah it's always there people Always there To watch Okay people So This week I thought I would Check out well I'd go a little Noir a little pulpy Um and I picked up The Big Sleep by Raymond Chandler. 
Um, so this was narrated by Ray Porter and it's the first in the Philip Marlowe series. Uh, so, um, the gist is this, Los Angeles PI, Philip Marlowe, is working for the Sternwood family. Old man Sternwood, crippled and wheelchair bound, is being given the squeeze by a blackmailer and he wants Marlowe to make the problem go away. But with Sternwood's two wild, devil-may-care daughters prowling LA seedy back streets, Marlowe's got his work cut out. And that's before he stumbles over the first corp. A Raymond Chandler was born in Chicago in 1888 and moved to England with his family when he was 12. He attended Dulwich College, alma mater to some of the 20th century's most renowned writers. Returning to America in 1912, he settled in California worked in a number of jobs and later married. It was during the Depression era that he seriously turned his hand to writing and his first published story appeared in the pulp magazine Black Mask in 1933, followed six years later by his first novel, The Big Sleep. Um, introduced the world to Philip Marlowe. The often imitated but never bettered hard-boiled private investigator. It is in Marlowe's long shadow that every fictional detective must stand and under the influence of Raymond Chandler's addictive prose that every crime author must write. So yeah, this Man, it's, 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 so it's not a long book, but it is, man, it's, it's kind of fun, you know. Uh, it, so the thing with this, and the thing I kind of like about Chandler is he's direct. You know, I mean, there's not all, all the bullshit that you get in a lot of new kind of crime books. I mean... Look, I did, I did enjoy for the most part the um, uh, like the dragon tattoo book and all of that stuff. But in those books, right? So you've got um, everything described. Like um, oh, she opened her MacBook two Z three three chip. Um, laptop with a free ping cable and a blah blah, but you know what I mean? And it's just like, okay, we do not need to know this shit. You know what I mean? There's, there's just way too much here. You don't get that shit with Chandler. Chandler is just to the point, but that, that you know, what I mean? it's not saying his writing is basic, it's, it's just got a really nice flow to it. And there is a, there is a poetry to it, you know what I mean? It, it, it's just the words and everything that he uses just fit together and paint the picture. You know, you just envision, like, these, you know, Marlowe going into these smoky rooms, you know, like, cigar smoke, just thick, 
you know, people wearing like fedoras and shit, trying to find the truth, you know, and yeah, it, it's very compelling, uh, it, it, it does make you um kind of think of those Frank Sinatra days and all of that, I mean, the one I think, but like the one thing with this book, but it is what you get with um, just a lot of that older stuff, you know, like you see it with Jane Eyre, um, you know, the Brontes and all all of those sort of books as well, when like women just faint, women just faint, and it's so infuriating because it's just like people just don't what. That's ridiculous. That doesn't happen. Like, um, there was a bit where, um, you know, one of the crazy sisters just is fine. She's like, teach me how to shoot. And so he gives her a gun. And then she turns the gun on him and starts shooting. Then he gets, you know, she misses him. And then when he gets to her, she's like, oh, what happened? And then faints. And you're just like, no, no, that wouldn't, like, what the fuck is that? Come on, man. That's just ridiculous. But, <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that, it's just, yeah. It, like, the, the books themselves, the story itself is intriguing. It's definitely intriguing. And you just are just like, man, like, all of this, you have to avoid being scorned, it's crazy, right? It's just, yeah, it's a fun story. Well, like, I say fun story, I mean, like, it's a good story, it's interesting, it's intriguing. You do kind of think, oh... Like, who do, who is doing all of this? Because it just gets nutty. Because when you think it's one person, then suddenly, like, something else happens. And then something else happens. And you're just a bit like, whoa, okay. Okay. But, yeah. No, it's a good read. And um, I am intrigued to, uh, you know, check out like the next offering and see um see what else happens to Marlowe. So yeah, the the next story is um Farewell My Lovely. So uh yeah. I think at some point I will be checking that out to see um what new adventures Marlowe finds himself in. But yeah, if you like a little bit of pulp some uh, good detective action, then I would definitely recommend you picking up Chandler's The Big Sleep. You know, Audible has it, so definitely a good place to start, people. Okay, people, so we have reached that time again. We draw into the close of another episode, so just a little bit of TV news before we bounce. Um, so we've got the new Apple TV Plus service will be launching, you know, in a few weeks time, but 
before that, you know what I mean? Apple have announced that they have handed out second season orders for a few series. These include um, For All Mankind, the Joel Kinnaman led series. Um, we've also got C, the Jason Momoa led one. Um, we have Dickinson. Which is the Haley Stanfield led young adult drama series, um, as well as Little America, which is an anthology series, and Home Before Dark, which is a mystery drama series. Now, this isn't really any big surprise because. The, the thing that separates Apple from a lot of the other big streaming services that are out or just about to launch is Apple doesn't have a back catalogue You know, stuff like HBO Max, um, Warner Media, like uni- the Universal One, Disney You know, all of these platforms have huge back catalogues Apple doesn't so they've only got the um, the list of shows that they've just that they've announced now, and they've spent so much money on these shows. You know when you think about it. So the morning show, which was given a two season order from the Giddy Up, that's costing three hundred million. You know what I mean? 150 for two seasons. 10 episodes a season. So that's bank, right? The T the, the C show that is estimated to come in at 240 for the two seasons. Eight episodes a season. So when you're spending, you know, 150 for a season. And um, you know, 120 for another. That's a big output. So you might as well double up because then at least you've got that content, and it makes it easier for them to assess. Plus, it it reassures people who possibly will be subscribing that you know what I mean that you know what I mean it's not going to get to a point and just there's going to be nothing. So you have to reassure customers that you your content is going to be continuing. You're you're gonna have new stuff coming. So yeah, I think it's like it was. It's no big shock to find that out. Um, talking about streaming services, HBO Max. So I guess it must be in the US because over in the UK, Netflix doesn't have the West Wing. But um, yeah, so I think in the US they've got the West Wing And um, yeah, HBO Max will be taking that back As soon as um, HBO Max goes live And um, they have also handed out a straight-to-series order For a musical series that is um, based on Greece It's called Greece Rydell High <laughs> yeah, I mean, do we need it? Who friggin' knows? It's um going to be set 
within um, you know 1950. Uh, the story will feature big musical numbers from the era, combined with new original songs, and will explore the peer pressures of high school, the horrors of puberty, and life in Middle America with a modern sensibility. I mean. Throwing in the modern sensibility doesn't really make much sense when you're setting it in 1950s. You know what I mean? It's a bit like you can't have Me Too in a, a 1950s film. You know, that, that's just going to be a bit ludicrous. But hey, you know, it is what it is, right? Um, <clears throat> oh my gosh. Ah. Right, so next up, you know, still the streaming shit, um, and this is like big news. So, fans of the Jeff Smith series Bone will be pleased to hear that Netflix have picked up the rights to the graphic novels and will be turning them into an animated series aimed at kids uh the story is this so it follows the bone cousins intrepid phone bone scheming phony bone and the affable smiley bone on their adventures through a vast uncharted desert that gives way to a mysterious valley filled with wonderful and terrifying creatures um it is it's like this was meant to be a film in 2016 warner brothers announced that they would be making a, a feature you know set about around the series and it was always at the time i remember just thinking this is like a huge series so to turn it into a film is probably not the best platform for it but uh yeah it's now coming to netflix um and smith said this about the deal I've waited a long time for this. Netflix is the perfect home for Bone. Fans of the books know that the story develops chapter by chapter and book by book. An animated series is exactly the way to do this. The team at Netflix understands Bone and is committed to doing something special. This is good news for kids and cartoon lovers all over the world. And finally, people, um, in some news that, man, it's big news, and it makes a lot of the stuff that's been, you know, floating around make more sense, but Kevin Feige has just been promoted um, to the chief creative officer for Marvel. So this is in addition to his current job as head of Marvel Studios. So what happens now, right? So um, he's going to be responsible for the overall creative direction of Marvel storytelling across all its mediums, including comics, film, TV and animation. 
So, um, Marvel TV and Marvel Family Entertainment, which is, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the uh, cartoons, will now move to Marvel Studios, which I think everyone saw coming. Because, you know, Marvel Studios is producing all the all the series that will be hitting um, Disney Plus in the coming weeks. So, yeah, that, that was a move that I, I think we knew was going to be there. It just wonders if um, Jeff Loeb still has a job. Uh, and also, this means that... Ike Perlmeter has no sway over the uh, the TV stuff, which always was an issue and was the reason Marvel Studios was moved directly under Disney because Ike was frustrating Faye's attempts to, uh, you know, turn out the Marvel Universe. So yeah, the, I think this is interesting times You know, all key creative executives across film and TV will report to Fayeg Dan Buckley is, all, is still going to be the um, president of Marvel Entertainment You know, overseeing the, uh, the comics and all of that But he will now be reporting to Fayeg um, and Joe Quesada will be reporting into uh, Buckley. So, um, yeah, I, I think this move now allows for more synergy within the, um, you know, what I mean, the TV and the films. And I think it then also helps when. Um, you mean doing the comics and everything like that You will straight away you can learn Okay this is a storyline that's being put in place in the films So it gives the comic division You know the leeway whether to introduce a certain storyline Or you know what I mean So I, I think this is a good move and it definitely, yeah, it makes sense with all the Spider-Man stuff Because, you know what I mean, because they were like, yo, he's going to be busy And yeah, this, this is why he's going to be busy Because remember, on top of all of this, he's going to be producing a Star Wars film as well So, um, man, Feig might have just become one of the most powerful men in Hollywood which is crazy when you think about the situation like 10 years ago So um, yeah people, that is it for another episode And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week, alright? Peace!